From G2V. From G2V Productions, this is the G2V Podcast. You can find this show and all our other podcasts, including Doctor of the Dead, on our website at g2vpodcast.com or on iTunes at itunes.com slash g2v. I'm Scott Woodard in Portland, Oregon. And I'm Arnold Blumberg in Baltimore, Maryland. And on this episode, and I know it's been a heck of a long time since we've had an episode of the G2V podcast, but there you go. I know, it's weird being back in the G2V studio as opposed to the Doctor of the Dead studio. Yeah, I had to blow all the dust off the computers, and it's, uh, yeah, it's get the spiders out of everything. It's crazy in here. The old sandwiches. So, yeah. <laughs> we Yeah, well, actually, for those who, who may be new to, uh, to G2V, G2V podcast, oh, and a little backstory here. G2V Podcast was our first show. This is what launched G2V Productions. This, uh, I mean, Doctor of the Dead wasn't even a, a glimmer in our eyes or anything at that point. Mm-hmm. Uh, way back in 2013. And it was meant to be sort of this ge- general pop culture show. We were going to cover pretty much everything. And we did it for a while. Yeah. But then Doctor of the Dead came along and that sort of took over and G2V got pushed to the side, sadly. Mm-hmm. And there's still always things we want to do, but it, uh, once Doctor of the Dead became like the, and, and not only that, once the format of that became, oh, we're covering all these TV shows every week, that mm-hmm. certainly became difficult for us to juggle everything. Yeah. I mean, Doctor of the Dead is, is, it's a, a juggernaut. It's just, you know, it's, it's doing its own thing and, and we do have to spend a lot of time and energy on that because it's, it's clearly our most popular production. But, but we don't want to put GDV podcast to bed forever. Uh, we are, we have a lot of things in, in mind for 2016 and, and this is really going to be more the place for that type of stuff. So if we do shows on gaming, which I definitely want to do some more gaming shows mm-hmm. and, uh, stuff about science fiction or fantasy and interviews with authors or, you know, all that kind of stuff that this will be where we'll do that. And we'll keep uh, all the zombies and the, the horror over on Doctor of the Dead. And besides which, if anybody's listening and this is the first time they're, listening to a G to V, even though this will itself be sort of unique. Uh, the beauty is it's so much of the stuff we did on past G to Vs. While maybe, well, maybe you'd say, oh, well, okay, just remember we, we were just starting. So the recording quality, I think everything still sounds fine, but, <laughs> but you may point out, well, you know, we've gone, we've gone so far in terms of that, but so many of the topics we covered are evergreen. And- yeah. I mean, there's a, there's a few things that were, you know, pretty timely, but uh, yeah, we have a lot of really evergreen topics. I mean, stuff on Lovecraft. And of course, we launched the show doing a two-parter about the Evil Dead films. Mm-hmm. Uh, gosh, boy, I'm trying to go back and think about some of this. What else? We, what else we talked we about the show? ABC Sunday Night at the Movies and that whole oh, phenomenon yeah. then. And uh, we covered the entire Universal Horror era and um, so many, so many things that uh, even and before Doctor of the Dead, we did the Zombie Mania episode. That's right. Which uh, is well worth, by the way, if anybody's listening to Doctor of the Dead never went back to that, go back to the Zombie Mania episode of G2V, which is like the early prototypical version of that, because it also has some phenomenal uh, production work by Scott and and, and an interesting storyline that takes place in that one. (laughs) (laughs) We both die at the end of it. Spoilers. Well, there you go. Now you told everybody everything. I know, but it's worth listening. It's the journey. (laughs) That's That's what I always say. We don't care about spoilers. It's the journey. It's the journey. But, uh, yeah, we've, I mean, there's interviews. Oh, well, we interviewed, uh, 
uh, your buddy Anthony on. Um, That's right. We covered the Sharknado NGBA. phenomenon. Sharknado. As it was still becoming even now, it's even bigger. All sorts of good stuff back there. Boy, I may have, I may even want to tap into the the GDV vault. That's it. Shut this down. We're gonna go listen to some old. <laughs> we gotta go listen to the old old shows. But anyway, uh, we will have some more GDV stuff coming up this year, and uh, we've got some really great ideas forming. So I I'm really looking forward to sort of blowing the dust off again and uh, and and going back into uh, sort of this general pop culture show and see what we can do with this. I think it'll be a lot of fun. Well, it is a new year, and of course, we're just starting off with uh, some exciting new stuff. And uh, we do have a very uh, cool announcement to make uh, just this week, actually. just Was it yesterday or the day before? I think it just, it's just been such a blur. It was yesterday, right? A couple right? days ago. A couple days ago. Yeah, a couple days yeah. ago. Okay. So uh, just this week, uh, Green Ronin is uh, – they're a game publisher. They're mainly the company that um, – you may know them for the Titan's Grave, Ashes of Volcana – uh, tabletop role-playing game that was co-developed by Will Wheaton, and uh, he uses that on his role-playing game show on Geek and Sundry. Uh, they also do the Song of Fire, uh, Ice and Fire role-playing game. They do that entire line, actually. Uh, Mutants and Masterminds, I believe, is their superhero line. They've got Blue Rose coming up, which is a re-release of an old RPG. Anyway, these guys have been around a while. They do some great uh, gaming stuff, but once in a while, they drift into stuff that's not specifically gaming-related. And... Uh, they they just released the publishing details for 2016, and if you read through them, and I'm sure we'll post the link, mm-hmm. uh, you will find the following paragraph. Last but certainly not least is a project that's been years in the making. It's called Cinema and Sorcery, A Guide to Fantasy Films, and it's unlike any book we've ever done before. Authors Arnold T. Blumberg and Scott A. Woodard have written a stellar book that delves deep into 50 films and then provides shorter entries for literally every fantasy movie they could track down. Cinema and Sorcery is packed with info, anecdotes, and glimpses behind the scenes and even calls out gameable elements from each film. This beast will be roughly 400 pages. Look for the electronic editions this month and the printed book in the spring. Couple familiar names in that uh, paragraph. Who are those guys? Who are those guys? I don't know. So yes, we have a book coming out. So yeah, and uh, I like the title. The title was uh, <laughs> title was probably the worst part of it. We couldn't think of a good title. I'm glad they oh took God. care of that. They did. They took care of it. We did. I mean, I, I know we submitted a list at oh, one yeah, point. Yeah. There were some good ones in there, but they just went with something that sort of you know it's just hits it right Straight on the nose. To the point. And, I like that cinema and yeah. sorcery and. And so, yeah, so um, I guess we, the whole point of this, too, is not only to say this book's coming out, and this was a huge chunk of our uh, professional lives the last few years, uh, toiling away at this in and around everything else we might have been doing, but talk a bit more about what people might expect from the book and uh, and how this all happened. Now, I can't remember. Can you remember what year it was? Because... I know this whole thing began. Well, first of all, brief little uh, preamble, of course, is that in many ways this book exists because I had done Zombie Mania years earlier with my friend and co-author Andy Hirschberger, and we did the exhaustive guidebook to zombie cinema specifically, and it's very much the same structure and the same approach that we took with uh, you and me working on this one, except that we, of course adapted it not just to what we wanted to do, but to fit this genre, which certainly 
suggested other things we could cover or different ways we could break down the movies that, of course, is unique to it in the same way that Breaking Down a Zombie Movie has its own specific things. But I did Zombie Mania all those years ago. Uh, and I guess I should still, con- uh, I certainly should continue to credit uh, people like Keith Topping, who did a number of movie guidebooks that inspired me, and Mark Scott Zickry, who did The Twilight Zone Companion. And the idea of doing Zombie Mania was, I love, I always love books, and I know you do too, where it's like books that's sort of like they're sitting with you watching the movies. You all love the same thing. You're all passionate about it. Whether you happen to be critical of something or think something is good or bad, that doesn't change your passion in general for what you're interested in. Um, no matter what genre or show or movie it might be. And, uh, and I love the idea of books that sit on your shelf or on your coffee table. Ah, let's face it, or on the toilet and give you a chance to dip in and revisit favorite movies or favorite good bad movies. And so we did that. And then, uh, once we had known each other a while, I just can't remember what year it started. We were in LA for one of the Doctor Who conventions. And mm-hmm. we were at Dark Delicacies in Burbank, which is a wonderful place that I wish I could see more often. Darkdell.com, if you want to visit their website. Yeah, and they always have, and of course, naturally, being right there in, in Burbank, they have tons and tons of people show up from uh, all all corners of Hollywood, particularly horror, and do all kinds of signings and appearances. And it just so happened that we were able to line up me doing a Zombie Mania signing there at that time. While we were, I was also in town for that convention, and it was while we were sitting in the store at the signing, and I think it was what was it was it which Deathstalker was it that you saw the soundtrack album for two? Okay, yeah, and you found the Deathstalker two CD, and you were sitting there talking about that, and we were talking mutually how much we love soundtracks of the movies we love, and I think we just pretty much immediately said, well, you know, there would be another whole book right there, sword sorcery movies. Do a sword sorcery mania like zombie mania. And I, I think we were pretty much uh, really serious about the idea of pursuing that as soon as we thought of it, weren't we? We didn't really. Yeah. I mean, we were like, I, we were at Gallifrey one. Yeah. We were both attending that Doctor Who convention. And as, as is typical, whenever we're at conventions, we spend a lot of time just sort of hanging out, kicking ideas around and stuff like that. And, and, uh, yeah, I remember very vividly like that evening, I think even sort of sitting in the lobby or in the bar or wherever it was and, and starting to actually sort of flesh out the ideas a little mm-hmm. bit. Yeah. I just can't remember what year it was, but yeah, you know, it had to have been like but, 2009 or something as, as early as that. Yeah. Wow. And it's six years ago. Yeah. It's crazy. What? Six, almost seven years ago. Yeah. <laughs> what? No. Well, yeah. 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 It's, oh my God. And, uh, and we really didn't wait too long before we started in earnest working on it if I remember correctly, and mm-hmm. um, it's a massive undertaking. And, and uh, I know the people who, who love books like this probably understand, but may not even have an idea if, you, if you're going to do it right. And this is not to say that when you do something this massive, covering an entire genre of film, trying to cram in everything you can, you're inevitably going to have mistakes. The goal is to try to minimize that as much as possible, be as rigorous in research as you can. We're both very detail-oriented people. So we were constantly going over and over and over everything over the years and, and revisiting everything we'd written multiple times. Uh, certainly toward the end of the process in the last year or two, we were constantly revisiting the entire book to update things so that by the time it came out, it wouldn't feel like the more recent films covered were as dated because certainly a book that covers an entire genre 
it's not like any of the information in this book's going to age. But when you get at the tail end of the timeline you're covering, when you say, oh, we're going to cut off in 2000, from originally it was 2013, I think, and to 2015, it's always the stuff right at the end of the timeline that's going to be a little ragged. And there's really nothing you can do about that. But the goal is to try to make it as up-to-date and as current and accurate as you can. But certainly once you get to everything else in the book, that stuff's history. So we were, we were eager to do that. But the research, the, the, um, the need to see all the films again that we covered. And I guess we should clarify then too, like you mentioned, um, like Zombie Mania, we did it where it lists every single zombie feature film that we could verify in existence from 1932 to at the time, 2005. And then we picked 80 of those and we did full chapters on 80 of them. But the book itself actually catalogs everything. It just doesn't have the same in-depth information on the others beyond the 80, but it lists 570 plus whatever. Uh, when we were done with cinema and sorcery, we decided to do 50 chapters and give those 50 films the in-depth treatment. We'll talk a little bit more about what that covers. But the, the index in the back, I think it wound up being well over 400 films that we could verify as feature-length sword and sorcery movies. So this book covers well over 400 films, and 50 of them get the full fleshed-out in-depth chapters. And for those chapters, we revisited every single film, certainly more than once, and watched everything in order to not just say, well, I've seen this movie many times over the years, it's a favorite, but to look at it with the critical eye of someone knowing that, well, we're going to be writing about this. And I think in many cases we, we discovered new things and we saw things that we always knew we loved, but, you know, something leaps out and so it's perfect for writing up in the chapter. So it was a, it's certainly a joy to do, but it's also an enormous amount of work. Yeah, and it also forces you to watch some really, really terrible movies. <laughs> and that's the other thing. We certainly don't shy away in the book from calling things bad when they're bad. And we also very deliberately chose that of the 50 that got the full treatment, we did not specifically pick just 50 films that were something we thought was entirely praiseworthy. We certainly knew we wanted in that 50 to have all the best possible representations of the genre, the ones people would expect uh, to be in there and to and to certainly be treated with the respect that they deserve. But we also wanted to have some fun with some of the chapters where it's like, let's pick some of the ones that are terrible or that, or that fall online. And the idea is that even when they're terrible, we're being honest about uh, critiquing the film on its merits. But the idea is we're celebrating the genre. And if you're someone that's a fan of things, even the bad stuff is usually something that's fun. Occasionally you hit something that's so bad it's bad <laughs> and it's tough to go through. Uh, but... <laughs> We definitely had one of those in there, that's for sure. Are you thinking of what I'm thinking? I guess we are. It's, yeah. Isn't that the only one we watched together, I think? I think so, yeah. I mean, I, there's a couple that I put at the bottom of the proverbial barrel, mm -hmm. but um, I think that one we definitely – I know we watched it together in a hotel room. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> that's the best way to watch it, I guess. It's just in a hotel room when you have nothing else to do. Um, that's another point, actually, by the way, is that – one of the reasons that I, I wanted to do Zombie Mania and that I enjoyed it so much was that it happened to work out at the time that Andy and I were at the same place in the same time. And all the time we spent working on the book, we were actually together 
uh, watching all 80 films together at the same time, uh, in, in some cases more than once, and working on the book together. The one thing I regret about this whole process over the years of working on cinema and sorcery is that because of us being on opposite sides of the country, we never really had the ability to have the experience of this that I would have hoped which is us actually sitting together and watching. So instead what we did was we broke the book down to pretty much 25 and 25, where we picked the movies we were each going to cover, and then we would swap chapters so that our, you know, our imprint is on everything and we saw each other's work. But we didn't get a chance except for that one instance. Uh, and what a, what a movie to have to be in the same place with, um, to see everything together, which was kind of a shame. But, I don't think it certainly affects the book at all. It just affects our experience of working on the book. That's the only mm -hmm. thing. Yeah. It is funny you were talking about how, you know, it's not just a top 50 kind of a thing, but how we tried to get stuff that you kind of expect to be in there. Mm -hmm. And and it's been funny how, I mean, for years now, since we've been working on the book, how often I get asked, oh, is such and such movie in there? Is that movie in there? And nine times out of ten, if not not ten out of ten, the the movies they're asking me about are in the book. Yeah, because they don't know about a lot of the weird, obscure things mm -hmm. that that we had to dig up. And uh, and that also uh, one of the other things too is that not to go into great detail about the contents, but we don't include things like the sword and sandal type film, right. the peplums. I mean, we could just kind of describe how we chose our movies. Well, maybe. yeah, I, I think I think it's well worth waiting until. Some people have seen the book before we go into too much detail about it. Sure. But, but one thing that we certainly want people to know, like you're saying about people asking what's in it, is it's sort of going along with that question is sort of the question of, well, what do you think counts? Which is the same sort of question that in a different way comes up with zombies or anything else, which is, you know, people do have uh, varying ideas about, well, what actually constitutes a sword and sorcery movie? And so when you do a book like this, the only thing you can do is, and we did it the same way Andy and I did it with our book, is you establish a criteria, you make it very clear in your book, which we do. We have like an introduction in the book that not only tells you, you know, here's what you're about to read and how we break down the, the 50 that we picked for chapters, but we go into a, a great deal of detail about what criteria we used, what we considered qualified as a sword and sorcery movie, and therefore how we decided to include films. And there are a lot of little moving parts in there uh, and plenty of conversations over the years with us talking about, well, this one has dragons, but this, uh, you know, there's magic, but not really, and there's this. And so you can really, and, and people disagree. And, yeah. and having a mature debate about it uh, is just fine. So there are people that would say, oh, but that doesn't count because that's not in the past. Well, that's one one thing, for instance, is that time had nothing to do with it. So although a great many of these movies naturally seem to fall in an ancient time, uh, there are plenty that don't because that was not a, a make-or-break factor in our decision. Mm -hmm. For instance, I'll just throw out that one of the 50 chapters is Star Wars. Yeah, I was just going to say, for time and space, you could just say, well, one of them, one of our chapters is set a long time ago in a galaxy far, far away. Exactly. And, uh, and of course, now we're sitting here having seen Force Awakens, which really reinstituted the more um, sword and sorcery approach to the Force that the prequels discarded. So, for instance, we, we do list in the index the, the first three Star Wars films, but we do not list the prequels, because once the midichlorians turn up, 
uh, it doesn't qualify anymore. It's science fiction. It's not sword and sorcery. So these are the kind of little uh, crazy conversations you wind up having about, well, uh, this counts and this doesn't. But the whole point is that your book has to represent your view on the genre and have integrity. And, and even if someone disagrees, you can at least point to your criteria and say, well, this is why we chose what we chose. So the 400-plus films in this book, including the 50 that get chapters, all went through an evaluation on our part about what elements are in that film, how many of those need to be there for us to say that is a sword and sorcery movie, and we go into great detail in the book so that even if you disagree, you'll understand what our thinking was and why we chose what we chose and why we define the genre the way we do. And like you said, we did not include... Sword and Sandal films, because those are, uh, even when they're slightly mythological or folklore-like, they don't include any fantasy elements. They're basically historical films. So there's really nothing there to make them sword and sorcery. So they're not in there. Besides which, that's a whole book in and of itself, really. Mm-hmm. Oh, easily. Yeah. yeah. And there was a whole thing that we went back and forth about, about uh, how much dragons matter. <laughs> when, you, when you read the final version of the book, you'll see a whole section in our criteria about uh, how important dragons turning up is. And of course, you know, if you disagree that Vermithrax is the greatest dragon ever in cinema history, then we'll really have to have words. But <laughs> that is, I have to, I have to tell you, cause I mean, you've done guidebooks and stuff and this is my first one. I'm really, I am dreading the, uh, the people who are going to say, how could you like this movie? How could you not like this movie? How could you think that was, you know, fulfilled the criteria, et cetera, et cetera. How could you leave this movie out? Yeah. All that kind of stuff. Oh, that's going to happen. You just, I know. you just have to roll with it and take the high road. And it's like, well, you know, this is the criteria we chose and, uh, that's the way it is. And, and to I, hell with you. <laughs> to hell with you. <laughs> <laughs> I got the code of the barbarian musical in my head. Yeah. Um, but yeah, so, so the book will provide, and, and I'm sure down the road, more people have had a chance to actually see it, which we're, after working on this for so many years, we're just so looking forward to having people actually see this thing finally. And even if people disagree, great, at least they'll be talking about it and we'll be happy to talk about it. Um, and we'll be happy to sign it. Oh, yeah, absolutely. <laughs> I'd love to see a lot of these in the wild. The The thing I'm happy about, too, is that with Green Ronin involved, we know that this book will surely reach many of the people that uh, would most appreciate uh, celebrating so many of these movies, from the classic Harryhausen films to the sword and sorcery boom of the 80s, all the way up to the present day. It's all in here, and anybody that's a gamer or a, a, a genre cinema fan. There's so many people. And the thing that Zombie Mania suffered, of course, was that it just didn't have the visibility, and, and we're hoping to correct that down the road. But this, this I think, we, we have a good chance of many people getting the chance to, to see and enjoy this book, and whether they want to have a debate about something, well, that's fine. We're happy to talk about it. Shall we break down what happens in some of the chapters? Yeah, that might not be a bad idea. So, like I said, the book covers uh, around 400-plus movies, I think, is where we wound up. And we chose 50 of the very best and some of the very worst and some of the things in between. We also tried to have a good balance of plenty of live-action animated films, definitely counted. So we have that, whether it's uh, modern CG animation to hand-drawn animation, all these kind of things. Uh, all that's in there. And for every one of the 50 you get all this kind of information. The basic breakdown, title, 
country of origin, year of release, uh, details like director, cast, crew, all the basic sort of stuff. And, you know, one of the things that comes up when you work on a book like this now is we live in a world of the Internet and IMDb and Wikipedia and all these things. And there's some truth to the idea that you could say, well, some of the factual information, you know, anybody could pop online and just look up tons of this stuff. Well, yeah, that's true. But there's something missing in a book like this if you don't cover the basics and provide all that information in it. And certainly one of the things that I love, but that is, I know is one of the most tedious things to work on is every one of the 50 films has a section where we point out where else you might have seen some of the actors that appear in the movie. And of course, that is, again, if you want, you could say, oh, I know that person, look them up on IMDb. But we bring to it our own personal perspective. So even in some of the factual stuff we break down, you're likely to find a lot of jokes or sly comments or or just, you know, straight praise about people we appreciate in sections like that. So it isn't just a long list of credits. It's also us discussing those people and their careers. And of course, when you're really steeped in a lot of this stuff, you appreciate a lot of these people for a lot of their work. So we have a lot of that kind of factual information in there. Um, and then we have a lot of different sections. Many of these movies were released with alternate titles or had alternate titles in different regions. We try to cover that. We've thrown in some taglines, some of the ways that movies might have been uh, advertised through posters or the greatest adventure of all time, things like that. We throw a lot of that in. It's part of the color and the, the attitude that went along with the movies. So we have those things in there. And then we start to break down the actual content of the film. Where does the movie take place? Long time ago, far, far away. Where on the, where in the world or on a different planet? Brief little plot synopsis. Very brief. We're certainly not eager to, to go into great detail. Although, guess we should mention here too that if you're reading about the movie in the book, you should already have seen the movie because absolutely with no hesitation, we cover everything in the chapter of the book. The book is intended to be a companion piece to experiencing the film and delving into details about the movie. It is not spoiler-free at all. It's spoiler-heavy. So absolutely, if you're reading a chapter in the, in the book and you haven't seen the movie yet, see the movie first, because then we break down everything in the film and go into great detail where it happens, plot, uh, if there are alternate cuts in the movies, which happens frequently with these films, particularly violence cut out or different scenes added on television, things like that. And then we start to get into some of the um, more conceptual stuff. For every one of the 50 movies, we have a section that covers how magic works in that world. How does it function? How does it manifest itself? Uh, a lot of these things you start to find as, as we were writing are very consistent, actually. Uh, didn't we find out early on that a great for a great many of these movies, blue is the default color of magic for a lot of the 80s movies? I don't remember that, but I think, yeah, I mean, I don't know if we, I don't know if I pointed that out. You might have pointed that yeah, out. Yeah, I, I, some things get repetitive because so many movies do the same thing, and it's like, oh, blue. Uh, so, yeah. so, how does magic function? How does it manifest itself? We have a section called The Quest for Meaning, where we talk a little deeper about the themes in the movie. You know, what, what is it exploring that has to do with metaphor? And, and while it's telling a story of some guy on a quest, isn't it actually discussing something deeper? And of course, the other thing you find out is how often the same themes crop up again and again in these movies. The hero journey, 
somebody looking for meaning in their life, things like that. So we talk about a little deeper about that. We cover all the credits of the people in the cast, talked about that. One of the things that's a favorite of mine that's something that carried over from Zombie Mania, and in this we called it Six Degrees of Sorcery, is that we talk about the many ways that the film in question uh, echoes or later influences other movies and television shows. So if there's a scene or a character, an element that feels familiar, we point out whether, oh, this looks like this was inspired by this older film, or this later shows up again in a different way on this television show. And it's a way you can see how all these things exist in a bigger world of pop culture. So we do that. Uh, then we have a whole section that's the making of the film. And we did a lot of research on all 50 and give you a not too long, but occasionally pretty detailed behind the scenes on the development and the production of the film, even up to and including uh, what awards it might have won or its success upon release, that kind of thing. And that that particular section uh, really benefited by us reaching out to a lot of uh, people involved with these films. Mm -hmm. We had some terrific uh, people who just, they really were amazing at how helpful and uh, honest they were about the production on some of the, these, the movies we covered. I know that uh, late in the game, how's it, Chris Wallace? Is that how you say his name? Mm-hmm, Wallace. Yeah, Chris Wallace came in uh, late in the game and told us a few more details about Dragon Slayer mm-hmm. uh, that we didn't have. I mean, it, it, we had certain things, but he was able to confirm uh, certain details that it's just little things like that to actually be able for zombie mania. We didn't get a chance to talk to nearly as many people as I think wound up providing the kind of input on this book that we had, where we had a lot of people actually involved provide some background. And that certainly is great. So that, yeah, there's a lot of stuff here where, um, there may, there may be some tidbits about some of these movies. You certainly don't see that often or maybe at all in some other sources because we did actually get some of that kind of insight into the making of these films. And one of the things I'm also happy about with this one that was, that this was one of the sections that was not in Zombie Mania, but that I really liked us doing here. And I think this was something that was very much your idea was to do a section that was specifically about the music and to cover the details of the soundtrack of, of mm-hmm. each one of the 50. Well, actually, this is a, it's a good time for me to just chime in and just say that not only did we want this to be a really excellent resource as a movie guide, uh, but I also wanted this to appeal to gamers. Mm-hmm. And that that's where like the, the soundtrack thing was so important to me because – as a as a, a game master myself, um, whenever I run games, I always like to have music on in the background. And I wanted to make sure that people knew that, you know, a soundtrack was available for this particular film and who did it mm-hmm. and, you know, and details like that so they could grab it and maybe use it in their own games. And as we found out very often, hard to find soundtracks for some of these, mm-hmm. uh, even for some of the most beloved. So we were we were looking for details about some of them. I think were coming out as we were. That always happens though. When we work on a book like this, particularly over a period of years. A lot of these films came out in new editions on disc while we were working on the book. Oh yeah, uh, uh, with plenty of new behind the scenes information, or, or rather, newly revealed information. Um, some soundtracks came out in that time. Uh, yeah, what, uh, I had a composer on one of the films, a very old movie. Um, an animated film. I'm not gonna, I don't want to spoil what it is. Okay. Um, who, uh, who, it was awesome because they just had re, re-released the movie on Blu-ray. Mm-hmm. And I bought the special edition at the time. 
And they also released for the first time ever the soundtrack. Mm -hmm. And I was able to track down the the composer of that score. And he was awesome. He was Mm -hmm. so helpful. And uh, yeah, this was just, it was just such a great project to work on for that kind of stuff. And we do, by the way, we do have, obviously, everybody acknowledged at the beginning of the book that in some way contributed, uh, including all the, the filmmakers and production people that, that, that helped us out and talked to us, uh, and really just gave their time to enhance what we were offering people about these movies. So, and as much as we were able to keep track, hopefully we didn't miss anybody. Uh, we credited all those. And in keeping with the idea that, I guess we should go back and point out that's another major thing here about why this book is being published by Green Ronin and why we did it the way we did it. Like you said, this isn't just about being a, a, a handy guidebook to this entire genre and all these films that you can revisit again and again as you experience these movies or watch them again or see them for the first time. The idea was that with your background in gaming and with the publishing companies primary focus being on the gaming industry and all the stuff they do, the idea was that this book would be a bit of a hybrid. It went through quite a development process about the degree to which that was going to uh, actually exist. What wound up working out is um, every single one of the 50 chapters, for instance, the 50 films that we focus on, you did an entire very detailed section where you selected... um, uh, a hero, a villain, a monster, an artifact, something from that film, or to be completely um, accurate and legally protected in every conceivable way, uh, we should point out a similar artifact, <laughs> hero, or villain, <laughs> to what might appear to be something like what's in that film. And you provided stats and details that it would enable someone playing a campaign to insert that particular item into their game. Mm-hmm. And the idea is that this book not only celebrates the genre, it also just provides, even if you just consider it an added bonus, but it's a pretty big part of each chapter, it provides you the opportunity to actually um, take something that Scott has crafted, and let's not forget, we're talking about the man that wrote the six-gun role-playing game, available now from <laughs> Pinnacle, uh, that gives you the opportunity to get a lot of extra gameplay material in this book as well. And you can have a creature that might sort of be reminiscent, kind of, sort of, but certainly not in any specific (laughs) actionable way to a Harryhausen film, and put it into your game. Exactly. And and we have that for every one of the 50 films. Another thing that's really, really cool about us being with Green Ronin is that uh, they just recently released their Fantasy Age fantasy RPG, Mm -hmm. which is very much sort of a general fantasy game, like a D&D kind of a thing. Mm-hmm. It's not it's not setting specific. So it, if you have Fantasy Age and this book right alongside it, you've got they they support one another beautifully. Yeah. That's right. And and it gives you this like uh it's sort of like getting a supplement and a guidebook all in one. Mm-hmm. You get all this information and in addition to the um game material that you can make use of there's also a section for every one of the 50 where you did uh, a little bit of an insight into what was going on in gaming history in the industry in the year that the particular film was released. And this is one of my favorite things that you did that was certainly this was your baby and not mine for every one of these chapters. And although I said earlier, like we split these movies up uh, for the most part uh, down the middle, but obviously you did the section for every one of them. 
uh, that cover this. We did it this year in gaming. So for every one of the 50 that has a chapter, whatever year that was released in, and in some cases, of course, you had to do uh, multiple entries for the same year because we certainly have quite a few movies where they might have come out in the same year. Oh, yeah. And uh, and you did um, various little bits and pieces about games that came out then or uh, anniversaries or, or something significant about gaming history. Yeah, even stuff that uh, was that predated a lot of well-known tabletop gaming had to be in there. So mm-hmm. we're going back in the you know the forties, fifties, whatever. Sure. Um, obviously, people were not playing D and D back then. So <laughs> yeah, that was some interesting stuff. Sure. Yeah, because we go back, we go all the way back. Well, certainly the movies themselves. If you count the entire book, uh, we go all the way back to the silent era, and uh, and so yeah, the, the the scope of this is quite huge, but. Our very first movie chronologically is um, uh, the 1940 Thief of Baghdad, and that's the first one that gets the um, the full chapter treatment. Uh, the classic, beautiful, absolutely beautiful color film that uh, more people should watch if they haven't. But we'll wait until you see the book, and if you've never seen the movie before, uh, even though it does spoil things, maybe it'll in- entice some people to, to see that because it's an incredible piece of work. But so there's that. And then, of course, naturally, all the 50 chapters end with our review. And we do provide critical reviews of all those 50. And and I should add, for all 400 plus movies, that whole index that the rest of the book is the index that covers the rest of the, of the entire genre of films, all those certain sorcery movies that we considered qualified based on our criteria, they all get pretty substantial blurbs. It's not just a sentence. So you, when you look at the end, even though they're not full chapters, every single one of those hundreds of movies has a brief plot synopsis. It might mention who's in it. It might mention a trivia tidbit or something about that film that uh, has a, some significance in the history of the genre, uh, its connections to other genres. We do have quite a bit of opinion in there as well. So in a sense, they're all sort of mini reviews. We've seen many more than just those 50 films. So there were plenty of movies where we could provide you with a little um, review, a little uh, critique. Uh, and and we don't flinch from uh, from saying some things are terrible. But that's part of the joy of going through something like this. It's not; it can't all be 100% great, but it's always fun. So I think that covers all the information that we feel comfortable <laughs> uh, sharing right now, right? Uh, yeah. Any any other details or getting into more discussion would really only be beneficial once people have seen it. So we wanted to take the opportunity to really kind of celebrate the end of the process of having the book happen and and working on it. And knowing now that it's finally going to be coming and getting into people's hands one way or the other, wanted to make sure people were aware of this. Like I said at the beginning, this was a significant chunk of our lives for the last several years. Many things happened in the last few years, and through it all, uh, no matter what that was, somewhere in the background, at one time or another, uh, you and I were working on this book. Into the wee hours. And having endless conversations about, you know, what works and what doesn't. And, oh, yes, one one crucial thing that's absolutely a last but not least kind of thing I must say, which is that when Andy and I worked on Zombie Mania and we decided to do 80 movies, which I, I don't know how we did that. That was insane. Um, but we decided to do 80 movies. One of the things we realized was we're going to do a book that also catalogs everything. Uh, hundreds and hundreds of other films. 
we knew there would be no way we'd necessarily be able to have the time to both do the kind of in-depth work we needed to do on the 80 chapters and then also collect all the information we needed on every other film in existence. So we had a secret weapon. And it wasn't so secret when it came out because she's in, credited in the book, although to this day I wish she's listed as the third author, but that's just the way it worked out. Um, but my mother, Rochelle Blumberg, actually was the powerhouse research department behind Zombie Mania. She spent an extraordinary, incalculable amount of time online and in books researching the genre, looking up every conceivable film, analyzing stuff based on our criteria, running things by us, and assembling and, in fact, writing a great deal of the index that it, that is in Zombie Mania. And, uh, and then, when it came time for us to work on this, she stepped in and did much of the same work for us on the index to cinema and sorcery. She collected all the information. When you are, uh, like, you would sometimes say, oh, is this in there? Do we have this movie? And, or I just found out about this. She was the person that was constantly checking and researching everything to make sure that we'd covered and included everything that possibly qualified based on our criteria. So she continued to do that enormous amount of work uh, on the research and indexing of all the films in cinema and sorcery. And that, that finding new films thing happened right up to the end. <laughs> right up to the end. And I'm sure there's stuff still missing. And, and, oh, yeah. and there are plenty that, as we were mentioning before, we deliberately cut out. Uh, for one reason or another, uh, and again, we'll probably have plenty of those conversations to have down the road about why you did that. And, and in some cases, we'll, we'll just have to say up front, we may not always be able to say 100% off the top of our head why we made the decisions we did at the time, but all we can say is there was definitely thought and a reason why any particular film in this book is either in there or not in there. There was always thought behind it. We just may not be able to recreate that thought now, <laughs> but there was. And that's why cataloging that criteria is so important, because it gives us something to point to and say, this is the thought process behind all that. So it's like, why is my favorite dragon movie not in there? Because not. That's why. <laughs> <laughs> so uh, so we look forward to those conversations, and, and much more... We'll be able to provide much more detail when this book is actually uh, out there. I can't wait to actually see a physical version of this. It's also the first book I've worked on in many years where I'm not in any way involved with any of the production. So it feels a little weird to me. <laughs> <laughs> I'm usually laying out the book or working on something design-wise. So, wow, yeah, you know, I haven't even really dwelled on that that much, but... uh I will leave it up to the good and capable people there at Green Ronin to deliver something that um they do good work. They do puts really our good words work. in good shape, yes. Yeah. But but it's just uh it's a strange position to be in to be waiting to see what that book will look like. Well, and we'll both be at Gen Con this year, so hopefully uh either they'll organize a signing or we'll put something together ourselves and so if you have a copy or if you pick up a copy there, uh track us down and we'll uh we'll talk and sign it and we'll have a good time. And that does it for this episode of the G2V Podcast. Find this and all our other shows, including Doctor of the Dead at g2bpodcast.com or at itunes.com slash g2v. And thanks for listening. Thanks for listening.